Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by my co-host, Mario the Monster Lopez. Wow. Bonsai. Bonsai. Man, in, we'll get into that player. Uh, so much to talk about. Look. From Japan, Inoue Fulton took place Tuesday morning. Then we preview Spence Crawford. We have Ask Mario and Final Flurries. But first, we have to pay some bills. Just want to let you know, the three knockdown rule is brought to you by the Hustler Casino. Hey, it's our favorite local L.A. casino and home of the most popular poker live stream in the world, a Southern California staple since the year 2000. Also shout out to our uh, sponsor neighbor right here in Hollywood, Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scout Micro L.A. If you're looking for uh, a way to hook up your wig, it's an innovative way to deal with hair loss. They do a thing called micropigmentation, SMP, which basically is tattooing tiny particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. It sounds crazy, but if you rock your hair short, it actually looks really, really good, and you can see results as little as one treatment. It can create and restore a hairline. It can uh, conceal any sort of camouflage burns or skin conditions if you're rocking with that. They use the highest quality tools for its procedures. Look it up, they do some great work. So if you're going bald or looking for a new look, uh, check out our buddies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad and you get a free consult. If you're getting thin, he'll help fill you in. That's right. Also, shout out to Smoking Tim Frazier and Tino right Tino. here. You forget those fools. I know how you are. Uh-huh. Anyway, now we go to round number one, <laughs> Tuesday morning from the Ariaki Arena in Tokyo, Japan. Ayaki. And your new WBC, WBO, Junior Featherweight Champion of the World. He has captured his fourth championship in a weight class all the way from 108 to what, 118, 112, 118, 122. Now you, in a way, a monstrous performance, devastating Stephen Fulton in eight rounds. Ugh. So I got up early, set the alarm, got up early, had a nice cup of coffee. By the way, I'm not opposed to these early morning fights. It was kind of, it was kind of you know what mm. I mean? The house was quiet. Kids weren't up yet. Mm. Saw the fights. Of course, I'd like to have some drinks and enjoy it. But I was not opposed because you know what it was like? It was like watching a beautiful piece of um, theater or, or a film there. I, what I was so blown away and impressed with Inoue because leading up to the fight, I knew a lot of people that actually picking Fulton. He, well, he was undefeated, unified champion. He looked bigger, Kim. When they were at the weigh-in and everything, my guy looked bigger. Inoue was not overwhelmed by the moment at all. And we've discussed in the past how people, when they fight in their hometowns, they're dealing with the pressure, the tickets, um, all the stuff that comes with that, right? As much as uh, people like to look at it as a benefit, sometimes it could be their Achilles heel because it, it can be a little bit too much. My guy looks so relaxed in there. And the first round, both of them, you could just tell they're quick, twitchy, um, Fast individuals, but anyways, explosiveness, I think, was the key factor. And I don't even mean so much with his hands, but with his feet. The way he closed that distance, the speed, the accuracy, the footwork, I think took Fulton by surprise. And a lot is is, is said about his speed and his power, which is incredibly uh, impressive. But my guy's boxing IQ... He could box his ass off the way he was stabbing that jab to the belly the whole time and working that belly, working that distance, gauging that um, distance. And he started to to measure and started and when he started start, uh, letting his hands go in the work inside defensively, he did a beautiful job. I 
a, a guy like Fulton, for him to dominate, and that's what he did, was dominate in that fight. Show the the quick the quickness with his feet to get in and out. I know they're they're starting to make sort of Pacquiao esque comparisons, and and that example's been used before. But this is the closest example I've seen, and not just because he's Asian and he's moving up in weight classes, but the combination of his fast hands and feet and the power that he brought with it. And to do it to a level of opponent like a Fulton, correct me if I'm wrong, but my guy's just beaten 10 world champions and he's had 18 title fights. And I think all those are knockouts. It was so incredible. Outside of Canelo, I don't know who has a better resume right now than Inoue. And with all due respect to Spence and Crawford coming up this weekend in this whole mythical pound for pound list, my guy's going to have to do something really dramatic, one of those fighters, to upset this dude because this dude is far and away number one mm. pound for pound. In wow. my book, I was really impressed. It's not how we've discussed in the past. Um, just uh, uh, winning, it's how you win. And that was a really impressive, dominant performance. You know, you bring up Pacquiao. I think he's actually more technically sound than Pacquiao. He is. I No, I, pardon me. I should have mentioned that. Better he balance. Is, not just better balance, too, defensively, too. Yeah. Where they are in their career, I, I do. I, he is more, he's got a, his arsenal is a little more equipped than ours, than Pacquiao's was his, at this point. His arsenal, and you talk about offensively, both hands up and down, jabbed to the body, which ended up setting up the right hand over Beautiful. the top. Beautiful. And he outboxed the boxer, and he became the bully as the guy moving up from 108 to 112 to 118 to 122 in his first fight. Keep this in mind. He had no tune-ups at junior featherweight, and speed is power. It, he was destructive. He was His twitchiness, and he was, that's the thing, the explosiveness, and the way he closes his distance, he was able to be destructive. And oh, when I started landing, I saw his nose blood, I was like, Man, he early. closed it early, earlier. If he would, got me thinking, if he was a welterweight or a junior welterweight, we'd be talking about him. I mean, we're talking yeah. about him now, but I mean, the world would be talking about him at uh, a whole nother level. It's the way I felt about Mark Two Sharp Johnson in the late 90s. And Mario, you take a look at Inouye. The thing that he does impressively well is that it's not just speed. He's so compact. There's no mm. wasted motion. And he does as good a job as any fighter in the world today at turning over his punches and hitting right with the barrel of the bat. None of his punches are slaps. They're not cuffs. I mean, he is turning them over he's with so precision. Well and I've always said his torque is so impressive. The way he's able yeah. to kind of turn on everything, like you said, and he is so well uh, balanced. But he also is so savvy in there with his feints. And he didn't fight or bite, I should say, on any of Fulton's feints. And he set up uh, everything so perfectly and laid so many traps. I'll tell you, I was so impressed with how he looked because of the level of opponent he was facing. That's yeah. what made it like, damn. To take a guy that's a really slick boxer and to basically control the tempo and and really destroy whatever tactics he had so early. Mario, I thought in the first round he controlled it, but in the first minute of round two, Fulton had a look on his face like, this is more difficult than I thought. When he started going in his little feints, and he just with his little shoulders, he'd feint high, feint low, come up with the up jab. The up jab yep. was so, so impressive. He, 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 his hands and his feet are quick, but the way he sort of sets his traps and he's able to kind of explode with quick combinations and they all have power. Yeah. It's like, it, it's hard to kind of time defensively to how you want to fight him. Fulton, try to make an adjustment and try to... 
And it, 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 it didn't Mario, phase anyway at all. You know what the problem is? If his adjustment was to, okay, I'm going to bully this guy and crowd him, here's the problem. Now you're running into the buzzsaw. Yeah. That is the problem. Before this fight over the weekend, I talked to Joe Delguide. He's the trainer of Antonio Nieves, and they fought him at the StubHub Center in his U.S. debut. And I asked Joe, I said, Joe, don't you think that um, Inouye is among the very best fighters in the world with Crawford and Usyk? He says, nah, he's the best by far. And I said, really? He goes, Steve, I don't even think it's close. And Joe told me, Steve, I think it's going to be a knockout. I've been in the ring with mm-hmm. this guy, and I'll never forget, Steve, when I studied him in 2017 going into that fight, I said, you know what? I know what we can do. He's never faced a slick American, but we're going to crowd him. <laughs> and in the second round, he landed a left hook that looked like Asian Chavez, and I looked up at the skies, and I said, oh, God, what the hell did we get into? Joe said, Steve, I want you to appreciate this guy. He's an all-time great. I'm telling you. I mean, there's a lot of good fighters. There's a few great fighters, he, but I think special. he's even beyond that. He's special. He's athletically gifted, and he has um, he ha- he has a grit to him, too. Because, first of all, props to Donaire. Because after that, it was seeing what Donaire went through and that he busted him up and he was able to still accomplish what he was, Inoue was able to. So we know he's tough. We know he can take a shot. He was able to carry his power. I don't know how far he goes up. What's the ceiling? 26. 30 too much. You know, Pratt, he looks small to Fulton. <laughs> yeah, but those legs are like tree trunks. No, and I know. That, there's another Pacquiao-esque type of feature to him. Yeah. Me and Tim Bradley were texting earlier this afternoon. He seems to think it's 30. I seem to think it's 26. But mm. again, he's 30 years old. I'd like to see him settle in a little bit. Mario, you mentioned the first Donaire fight. The greatness of of in a way is this not only did he survive it he evolved from it in that mm-hmm. fight i thought it was a little bit upright defensively now he's actually slipping rolling yes, and the, countering i like the way he's kind of he's parrying his punches right. and just kind of being jittery he's with got, his little face he's got it's a great. check hook he's got the pull counter yeah he's got the catch and counter so you take a look at what he was even four years ago he has added special effects he to the console to he has and, and he goes up and down he, the way the stick to the body that which set up the eventual knockout he didn't abandon that but it would set up the nice little left hook to the liver and his little up jab so he had you thinking going up and down combined with his fates and the speed the power um, mindset. The mindset. That's a dangerous recipe, man. That's a dangerous recipe. Yeah, and man I give right Fulton there. credit. Look, he tried his best. Uh, the one thing was when people compared this to Hopkins <laughs> Trinidad, I said, here's the problem. That's a weird comparison. Well, it's the Philadelphia thing against a smaller, more powerful, popular fighter. Here's the variable. Hopkins was a real puncher at 160. Mm. Coming into this fight, Stephen Fulton had over 20 fights, only eight knockouts. And we have to understand the way this fight was perceived. We always think of athletic fighters as being slick. I actually thought Inouye was much slicker yeah, than he Fulton. Was a, absolutely. And Fulton, the fight where I said Inouye could really make some hay was Brandon Figueroa. When Figueroa smothered him and really laid a lot of leather, I said to myself, I know a little Japanese guy that's much sharper and quicker, does not have the size, but I know his delivery system is much more efficient. Also, early on in Fulton's career, and again, a lot can happen, guys mature. Adam Lopez, our good friend from out Mm -hmm. here, he buzzed Fulton with the left hook. And I said, you know what? Blue Nose is not a great puncher. And if you do not have great punch resistance and your own power... Mario, who holds this guy off at 22 to 26? I know. Well, and credit to Fulton because he did improve since all those fights too. And he did look really good. And like I said, a lot of people had him still winning. But that was a world-class affair. And uh, the champ, or the new champ, I should say, 
Looked very impressive in his victory. Looks like he's only getting better. Also on this card from the land of the rising sun, a successful title defense for Cuban Robezi Ramirez, who keeps his WBO featherweight title by knocking out Satoshi Shimizu in five rounds. And Mario, now we look ahead. This weekend, the fight is here from the T-Mobile Arena in Viva Las Vegas on Showtime Pay-Per-View. It's the one we've been waiting for, for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world, Errol Spence against Terrence Crawford. Man, I'm mad because I was going to go. Now I have to work. So it's killing me. I'm obviously going to still watch. You got but bills I'm, to pay. You got bills I wanted to pay. To, uh, I wanted to be there. Um, I'm glad it's finally happening. Uh, obviously, we wanted it to happen in a few years sooner, but I still find this fight intriguing now, even this couple years later from its peak, because they're a little older, and I think being a little older benefits Spence. But Spence, of course, is coming off of that big uh, accident. Um, he has fought, though. Detached retina. Cannot he, forget that. We can't forget that. He is a big welterweight, though, and he is a southpaw. And he doesn't know how to lose. And he's figured out ways how to get it done. But he's going up against a guy who some, most people have him, uh, I don't know about most, but a lot of people have him as their number one uh, in the pound for pound list, who I think is incredibly talented. Ambidextrous, probably the best switch hitter I think I've ever seen, to be honest. Agreed. With you. And he's got a mean streak to him. That's another dangerous dude right there. And I, I love me some Terrence Crawford. Um, actually, I do like both guys. And I, I think it's it, it, Crawford is great at making adjustments. So even if um, Spence is having some success early on, Crawford has been has shown through. Uh, uh, his fights in the past that he's been able to make adjustments, find his opponent's weaknesses and capitalize on them. Um, and God forbid he gets him hurt, he gets him out of there. So with that said, I I lean towards Crawford, but it's not a gimme fight lean. by all means. Yeah, I lean towards Crawford and I like Crawford Slight in this fight. Slight lean or a fat show lean well, back? Well, you know, look, it's a bo- <laughs> it, 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 he's a big, strong kid right in front of him right there. I'm not saying anything's going to be easy, but I'm leaning towards Crawford to, to if I was a betting man. But um, I don't think you can count Spence out, but I do uh, lean towards Crawford to kind of fight away. But I think it is interesting because, like I said, Spence himself, too, he doesn't know how to lose and he's a strong kid. He's a strong kid and a southpaw. Taking a look at this fight, Errol Spence, 28-0, 22 knockouts. Terrence Crawford, 39-0, 39 knockouts. That's though. a lot of power, too. Um, <laughs> here's a variable, and I think it's going to come into play just like I did, and it's a variable. It's not the reason why, but Stephen Fulton coming into this fight on Tuesday hadn't fought for over a year. Yes, the inactivity, yes. Errol Spence has not fought since April of 2022 when he dispatched the Vordanis Ugas. I think Crawford actually fought in December against mm-hmm. David Avanesian. I'm not saying that's going to win or lose the fight, but I generally like the guy, all things being equal, who has fought a little bit more recently. Here's what I think. The delay, believe it or not, even though Crawford is now 35 years old, to Spence is 33. By delaying the fight as long as they have, Team Spence has allowed Bud to grow into being a legitimate welterweight. In fact, all his welterweight championship fights have ended in a KO. Now, you take a look at the lifestyle, everything that you looked at with Errol Spence, a lot of physical problems, health problems. He's the fresher athlete. I think he's been better preserved with a cleaner lifestyle. And now strategically, he is the more adaptable, versatile guy. I think he's a little bit longer. So with that said, I'll go out on a limb. 
I say KO 10 for Bud Crawford. Oh, with the I'm KO. It out there. With the KO. Yeah, I like that. A, bold. He's a vicious, vicious finisher. I just said that. The I most love vicious. That. No, the I, most vicious. I agree. He's great. You know, the only reason um, I don't know if I'm. I'm calling a KO, which I, I'm not going to be surprised, is because of the southpaw stance, because of the length, because of the size, because he is a big kid. Spence walks in there a lot heavier than his welterweight um, uh, weight class. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy it's happening. I'm glad um, that uh, that it, it's happening at welter. Because it was there was a minute the marbles, there. It had to. And it, it had to, yes. Have, it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. That's what I'm saying. But there, yeah. for a minute there, I didn't yeah. think it was going to happen because I didn't think Spence could make yeah. that weight anymore. Which, by the way, he still has to do come Friday. But um, yeah, I'm not mad at the knockout call. But yeah, I'm leaning towards Crawford too. You think it's just a little bit more aggressive? I, I think it might be a little tighter. But I do like Crawford to get it done. This is part of my thinking. Look at the politics here. This. Promotion is under the Premier Boxing Championships banner, right? And now Crawford's basically coming on as a freelancer. Right. Errol Spence has been with PBC and Al Heyman his whole career. Okay, so let's take a look. Boxing can be very, very political. People have their loyalties. <laughs> now, it was announced today that the referee is Harvey Dock. Thumbs up. I think he's the best young world-class referee yes. in the sport. We are in good hands. The judges are also announced. Uh, Tim Cheatham, David Sutherland, and Steve Weisfeld. Mm. So is the fix in, but for who? what fighter? Again, I said, look at the politics. <laughs> look at the politics. So if I... Those are shade. I don't know conspiracy theories, but like they've had some questionable calls. Yes, say. I would say that they have. And again, like I... And we're going to deal with this a little bit later on the show, but fighters fight for today. Judges judge for tomorrow. Mm. And I don't care if there's a bilateral rematch clause. Guys want to win. And in my view, if I'm Terrence Crawford, or specifically if I'm Bomac, and it's rounds eight and nine, and I've built a little bit of a lead, but it's not a blowout. And in the opposite corner, I'm thinking, ooh, this guy's fading. I tell Terrence Crawford, cut it. Cut it. In other words, from a line from Karate Kid, sweep the leg, Johnny. Yeah. I don't leave it to the judges. I don't trust the process. You have to be paranoid, in my view, if you're Terrence Crawford. Yeah, like Oliver Stone. Yo. <laughs> I'd throw a third <laughs> bullet from the grassy knoll. That's what I would do. Yeah. So there you have it. That That's the preview. I'm Should excited, be I'm an excited. excellent fight. Yeah. We come back after these commercial messages. We come back with fight review, preview, news, and notes, and we wrap it up on the three knockdown rule. This podcast is sponsored by L.A.'s very own Hustler Casino, home of the most popular streaming show, Hustler Casino Live, which will be celebrating two years on August the 3rd. And make sure to vote for up to nine of your favorite poker players for the epic All-Star Game on August 9th. Go to HustlerCasino.com forward slash All-Star to vote. The three knockdown rule is back and we'd love to partner with you. If you'd like to sponsor the three knockdown rule with Steve Kim and yours truly, send an email right now to info at boxbid.io. Since we launched back in 2015, the three knockdown rule has continued to be the most entertaining and most informative boxing podcast around. Three knockdown rules available on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Again, for information on sponsorship opportunities, email info at boxbid.io. 
All right, we're back on the three knockdown rule. And we just want to say, uh, if you'd like to get involved with the three knockdown rule and sponsor our fine program, we still have some slots available. Please reach out to us by emailing info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. Okay, fight review this past Saturday in the Boxing Dust Bowl at Fire Lake Arena, Shawnee, Oklahoma. Lightweights in action. There was controversy. Former mm. undisputed lightweight champion of the world, George Cambosis, escapes and he ekes out a controversial uh, majority decision over Maxi Hughes. 117-111, 115-113, 114-114. Mario, I'll say this. I thought Maxi Hughes won the fight. Most people seem to think that really he got the raw deal. I believe that if you are top ranked that now promotes Cambosis, get him a Mexican. Not a Devin Haney, not a slick Southpaw. Just get a Mexican and basically say, here's a phone booth. You guys throw punches. Because you got, even with the win, you have to rehabilitate the image of Cambosis. But with that said, Mario, everyone, every time there's a bad decision, People start coming up with these new ways to solve it. We need five judges. We need seven judges. No, no, no. We need guys watching TV. We need guys from the telescope watching from above the ring. Don't we just need like three good judges and have more accountability across yes. the board? Yes, and we need to be careful with the matchmaking. Like you said, he just went from Devin Haney, talk about slick, slick, uh, twice. Yes, to now Maxi. And I, I don't know why. Maybe he thought, okay. After it was an Devin, elimination. That's the problem. Well, I know. Yeah. And then and then I'm sure he justified it by saying, okay, after Devin Haney, he can't get much, can't get better, yeah. <laughs> much better than Devin Haney. But clearly that style is like kind of all, all wrong for us. You know, I'm a little biased just because, full disclosure, Cambosis was training out here out mm -hmm. at Brick, Brick House. So scrappy I got to, guy. Scrappy. I like him as a person. Right. And I got to train with him a little bit. And he was really cool. And I like his style. And, you know, he looked great against a T.O., but yeah, yeah, it was a close fight. I don't know if it was a complete robbery. I think it was a very it was a, it was a close fight. Mm -hmm. I do like him, and I think with the right opponent, he can sort of get back on track and look gain a um, some momentum again because I think he's good for the sport. He's got a good look. He's well spoken. He's right in the mix right there with a lot of the other names. But I don't think Maxi. Um, hurt himself at all uh he's sort of in the mix and now with this yep. sort of controversy and buzz his value has risen as well so you know even though sometimes when you don't get your hand raised your stock still raises right but again styles matter mm. mario on the co-feature of this espn card Keyshawn davis bright young blue chip prospect Ooh. with a 10 round decision over francisco pantera 189 99 90 uh and 189 again look it was solid. How about that little clip I showed you. Oh, no, he's good. Boom, with that counter right hand. No, he's good. good. Look, he's got he's a good. lot of tools. And Top Rank believes he's one of the foundational pieces of their future. But I'm not going to lie to you. And I've been high on him. I feel as though against the Pantera, you got to stop the guy within six to eight and really leave that impression. And I say that even though he only has nine fights, he wants to be in a world title fight before his 13th fight. So here's my question. And again, I know I, I harp upon this, and I'm never going to stop, so don't even ask. But when he has nine fights, and he's been a pro for over two years, and he had that Olympic break when they rescheduled Tokyo. So that that mattered, okay? He's only 9-0, and and he's going to be coming up on his third year as a pro pretty soon. Did you know that De La Hoya in his first 12 months had like 11 fights, while Mayweather, when he turned pro in 96, 
had 12 fights in 12 months. I, I don't the, the like. I, are these kids week? fighting enough? No, I don't think so. No, is the answer. We discussed this when Oscar was here this last week, and that's why Deloy and Mayweather are greats of their generation. Yeah. They had a, a, a strong amateur background, um, good pedigree, and and were active, were incredibly active, and they didn't get into the politics of the sport or worry about who was in their ear. They fought. They sort of surrendered that to their promoters, and that's why they were able to fight for so long and, and uh, create the legacies they have. Look, it's one thing if you're at the level and experience and age of an Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, who for years have been fighting twice a year. But Mario, when you are a 23-year-old no, prospect, okay. no. it is different. Okay, that's Absolutely. the variable. Uh, moving on to news and notes. Well, speaking of which, I actually like to hear this. Jared Big Baby Anderson, you were impressed by his last fight against Charles Martin. He's coming back August 26th on oh, ESPN. That's nice. I like I, that. I do like that, especially for a heavyweight. Nice. And, and that's this going to be the ode to the heavyweight explosion cards of Cedric Kushner because F.A. Ajagba and Bakhbador Jololov will be on this ESPN card. Also, I like this fight. September 15th from Corpus Christi, presented by Top Rank on ESPN. One of my personal favorite fighters. Hard luck. Joette Gonzalez has to take on Venado Lopez mm. for the IB. Featherweight title. Joette Gonzalez is like the Obacar of the modern day yeah. feather. Remember Obacar? Of course. I mean, really 90s. great prospect out of Detroit. Only problem was, he had three problems. Uh, it was Felix Trinidad, Oscar Del Hoy, Ike Corte. Yeah. Sometimes are... life ain't fair. Yeah, that's tough. Mario, put on <laughs> your matchmaking hat. Devin Haney, right now, as we speak, and it could change by the time we even go on the What's air. What's the legal matter? All right, so the WBC basically has given him a deadline to either defend this title against your mandatory or move up and face Regis Progray. And now you have Shakur Stevenson, hungry, young, talented guy saying, Ooh. hold on, I want to get in line here. Um, a lot of talks of Haney taking on Regis Progray at 140 for the belt. Okay, my question is this. From the aspect of Devin Haney, what would you do if you were managing him? Staying at 35 to fight Shakur, or would you rather fight Regis at 140? I'll stay up and I'd fight Regis at 140. I think I think Shakur um, is the cream of the crop in that division. And I think Haney has been killing himself and continues to kill himself to make that weight. Um, I think he'll have his legs under him and he'll be that much stronger and a little more sturdy and I know I don't like to judge anyone by one performance but based on the last performance of Regis um, and I like me some Regis yeah. and we'll he talk struggled about though let's be honest he struggled that, well that's what I'm saying then I think then I think that his uh, chances are better against a Regis than they are against uh, the people at the lighter weight class at the lower weight class if it makes any sense do you agree yeah I do If okay from a pure stand fan standpoint let's say just as a Joe fan as a guy that wants to pay tickets would you rather see Regis against Devin or Shakur Stevenson against Haney uh, I'd still rather see Regis I'd still rather see yeah, Regis I think it's more I'd fan friendly yeah it's more fan friendly I'd rather see Shakur against like a tank to be honest if they're gonna stay at lightweight I'd rather see I'd rather see that fight if I hadn't to, to put my promoter hat in on in terms of pure entertainment value where things can happen and guys can get knocked down look Shakur Stevenson shuts you out he just vanquishes whatever you do. He mm -hmm. thwarts you, okay? Regis hits you, and he can be a little bit vulnerable. And like like you said, part of me is actually very, very, very curious to see how does Devin Haney do with an extra five pounds 
on his backside. I think it actually helps him tremendously. I do. I really do. I think that's a. It's going to be a huge difference. I think he's a better fighter for it. All right. Well, that's it for this segment. We come back. We wrap it up on the three knockdown rule with Ask Mario and final flurries. This podcast is sponsored by LA's very own Hustler Casino, home of the most popular streaming show, Hustler Casino Live, which will be celebrating two years on August the 3rd. And make sure to vote for up to nine of your favorite poker players for the epic all-star game on August 9th. Go to hustlercasino.com forward slash all-star to vote. Shout out to our boy Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scalp Micro LA. His company offers a unique and very innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a pigmentation known as SMP. Basically, it replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing little particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. Don't trip. It's actually very realistic. You can see the results in as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the appearance of density to thinning hair. So if it's starting to go, it'll look a little thicker. If you're going bald or you're just looking for a new uh, look this summer, check out our homies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. And we are back on the three knockdown rule. Mario Lopez, Steve Kim talking all things boxing. Now we go to the Ask Mario segment of the show. Here's one from Hamed. Don't know if he's the prince, but he says, if Fulton and Spence win and beat Inoue Crawford, who was the pound-for-pound king, Usyk is still more accomplished than both, but have been highly inactive. Okay, here's the thing. If Fulton and Spence win, well, I don't know. Fulton didn't win, so he's kind of out of that mix. So let's say Spence beats Crawford. You're he, still saying he's not over Inouye, obviously. He You're, would have to he would have to knock out either fighter, T- Crawford or Spence in my mind would have to have a emphatic drama- dramatic knockout. Early too by the way in my view. Don't yeah. you think first 5 6 well, rounds? Well, if it was a hell of a fight yeah. and uh, one of them I think there would just have to be a hell of it would just have to be a uh, a dramatic victory with a knockout. To be in the mix of talking about being number one. Outside of that, based on resume um, and activity and the way he was able to climb the weight classes. And he's the first guy, by the way, that 108 to capture a title at 122 to go up to the weights. Like and that. he anyway. ain't done. No, he ain't done. That's what I'm saying. So he's making history. He's doing this against undefeated unified champs. In my mind, he's number one regardless. But again, if he unless Crawford or Spence have some sort of dramatic knockout... Here's the thing, though. Then I think that it's maybe a conversation. Other than that, no. Oh, how about this? Let's say Crawford wins and becomes once again undisputed with all four belts at both 140 and 47. Okay? Okay. If Inouye ends up fighting Marlon Topolis, the Filipino fighter who was in the fight, they brought him into the ring, looks like they're setting that fight up, who has the (laughs) other two belts. Now Inouye, in back-to-back divisions, he's gone four belts. I'm, yeah, no, you, well, that's a tough one. Well, that's, that's a what, very tough one. Well, like I said earlier, outside of Canelo, I don't think anyone has a more impressive uh, resume than Inoue. Who would you Who would you say? And I would say this: if Inoue fights twice and those other guys only fight once, I like you know me. I'm about activity. I I don't like it when a fighter wins fighter of the year off one fight. No, no, that no. means you just had the biggest performance. Right. I, I like the regular occurrence of a guy just being consistent and doing his job. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that one day Inoue will make one last appearance in the U.S. I think he would draw very big. Yes, I hope so too. That'd be great. Uh, here's one from Adam Logan. Can you remember a time when 25% of the top 15-ish fighters in the world actually fought in the same week? 
Heady days indeed. Enjoy, gentle. Adam, this is what used to happen in the 80s um, when all the fights were not on Saturday and you had closed circuit situations. There used to be times in Vegas where there'd be a big card on a Thursday or Friday, and then everyone would just stay in town for a Monday, Tuesday show. And there used to be like competing promotions. There used to be a lot of backbiting. But I, I thought this is one of the this is one of the bigger weeks in boxing. Because think about it, Mario. When was the last time on a weekday we could say, "Wow, we saw some elite stuff"? But no, no, no. That's just the calamari. Mm. This is the filet mignon on Saturday. Let's hope it's the filet mignon. Yes, let's, let's make, hope it's the filet mignon. <laughs> uh, here's a question from David. When, when they are looking back on their careers, how many times will Crawford and Spence have fought each other? One, two, three, or four times. Secondly, can Canelo do the PBC clean sweep, which is Jermel, Benavidez, Charlo, the other Charlo, and Morrell? Good questions. Number of the first one, I think this is it. If the, the, this one time, this is it. I think Spence is going to go up to 54 after this. Even with the rematch clause, win or lose, really. I, God, I, from what I hear, he's having a hard time making 47. Too, and he's been having a hard time. Doesn't for a long money time make now. you do very desperate things, though? I, yes, is the answer. But at the same time, you got to factor in your health. Yeah, especially when you're going up against a killer. So, and by the way, I don't think Crawford would think twice about going to 54 to fight uh, Spence. Oh no, no, no! He wants to go big game, honey. He's made that clear. That's what I'm saying. Crawford, I don't think is tripping. So if it does happen, I think it happens um, at Junior Medal. And as far as Canelo. Can he? Yes. Will he? I don't know because I, I, Canelo's on the back nine of his um, uh, career here. He can be selective as he wants, depending on how he feels. Uh, I know he always dares to be great, but I, I, I look, I think Benavides has gotten under his skin a little bit just because he's been talking a lot and he's like, all right, I'm going to make you wait now. <laughs> I'm going to make you wait I now. don't know if he fights Benavides in this three-fight deal. I think he fights the other Charlo. And there has been talk. So of he Errol. goes back to back Charlos. Yes, and then maybe see David Morrell is poison. Nobody wants that guy. Too dangerous. Too talented. Does not pay enough to tangle with that not talented Cuban. Side. Right. The issue is there is talk of Errol Spence moving up to fight Canelo. If he beats Crawford, it makes sense, and I like right. that. But if he gets blown out or butchered, well, there's no, there's there's no a physical that's mismatch. Done. That's done. It is. Right, it so is. let's see how this deal plays out. Right. Here's one from Ignacio Ortiz. If Joshua, Anthony Joshua, wins, uh, do you think he gets Wilder next for sure? And also, win or lose, does Jermel come back down to 54 to fight Tim Zhu? Or is he moving up to 160 permanently? Mario, Anthony Joshua fights Dillian White again, I believe, in August, right? Which is okay. Yeah, Caddyshack, too, um, to us American fans. I have a question. When's Deontay Wilder fighting? I'm being dead serious. What happened with Ruiz? That went to Bolivian? Yes, and I believe that Andy Ruiz believes that, like, $2 he's being lowballed. But I, I have this question. I have to be consistent. Mario, if you are a fighter and you only have one offer and it's $2 and you tell me, well, that's a low ball, I would tell you, no, no, no. It's a high ball. In fact, it's your only ball. In life and in business, aren't you as only as good as your options? I have a question for Andy Ruiz. What are your other options? Yeah. Right? I, the, the problem is you, in your mind, because you made a certain number, feel that's your worth now. And you have everybody in your ear telling you, but you have to factor in the current climate, your standing in, the, your, your, your place within it. And be a little bit more realistic, and that's a hard Wait mirror a to look at. Was, isn't it Fat Joe who once said these famous words? Yesterday's price ain't today's price. 
It's honestly. Was that Fat Joe? I don't know. Oh, fat, one of those guys. But I'm just saying, try to buy Apple stock at 19.99 prices. You can't do it. It's yeah. gone up. Bitcoin yeah. goes up and down. Exactly. I mean, you got to play the market. Yeah, and not only that, real quick on that note too. Okay, you're going to turn that down. What's plan B? It's to sit out. Which has been, she's been doing a lot of that, he's by the way. He's been doing a lot of that. And it looked like he was he was getting in good shape. I'm just frustrated. And as for Deontay Wilder, look, I know he trains a lot with our good friend Malik Scott. He's the most trainingest heavyweight I've ever seen that never fights. I know. He don't get heavy. He doesn't. But <laughs> here's the thing. If you got to you, fight once in a while. Look, and I love Malik, and I think he's got great concepts. But for that partnership to work, you know what you need to face? Live pitching. Because mm-hmm. it looks good on the mitts. you got to actually see how does this work in real live competition. So you, we got guys dying on the vine here. Here's a question from Alex UFC Box. Y'all going to have the double screen thing going this weekend for UFC 291 and Spence Crawford. What's going on with UFC 291? Oh, man, I'm fired up about that. Shout out to my boy Dana White again for putting Spence Crawford on tight fights almost every weekend. And the cards are stacked. We got um, Pereira, who coming off the fight from Adesanya, moving up a weight class. And that dude's a monster. I don't know how he made it. He's going up against Jan Blokovic. Both those guys just bricks in their hands and their feet. So that's the co-main event. And then we got your boy Poirier against Gaethje. Two, which is awesome wrestlers with heavy hands and that fight's going to be bonkers so the whole card is great so my ipad and a television screen is going to be working ot with both the ufc and uh spence crawford what was the fight where canelo and kovalev were waited for a long time and i forgot who was fighting it was with a bmf belt yeah and this is another bmf belt this is another that was like yeah. <laughs> I, thought they is, I, okay. I thought they did too but there's another one that was uh, uh jorge masvidal yeah. and, and nate diaz this is ironically another bmf belt uh bmf belts a uh, belt so i wonder if they're going to wait again because that was not fun yeah you know remember i'm gonna make a comment here and I, look Ooh, I there lo- as a matter of fact spence crawford excellent fight i will be watching it at a fight party coach jb's house it's gonna be the barbecue extravaganza uh, my cholesterol rating is gonna go through the roof here's the thing once again i have to give ufc credit and this is a, this is one of the things i have with boxing spence crawford is one of the best fights of the past five years the undercard not saying it's Butterbean and Mia St. John, mm. but it is a far cry from Revenge of the Rematches. Yes. Or Don King, Star Spangled Glory. Now, that's a man more dynamite for the dollar. I remember that, I remember <laughs> that fight America. poster. They were all like this. Yeah. Remember? I love that fight poster. I, look, and I'm, I understand that there's a budget. And in boxing, 98.5% of that money goes to the main event guys. But, but come on, Mario. We you, got okay, Throw me a bone, man. Ma- I mean, come on, Mario. Be honest. And you wonder why? Look, you go, we've discussed this. You go to UFC event. People are there from the preliminary. You know fights. what Mark Ratner packed, told me? Packed. You go to a, a fight. You know how it is. Mario. They, they, they stumble be in. Be honest. Towards be the honest. Event. During Garcia Tank, when did you walk into the arena? And you were there. You were there for a few hours. But when did you actually sit in your seat to watch fights? About thirty minutes before the main event, right? Come right. On. Yeah, I was in the back of the bar. You didn't miss much. I know. I was watching. No, I was watching <laughs> it on TV. You, you didn't. Miss do, much. You don't do that at UFC fights. Mark Ratner, who now works for USC, who used to be the beleaguered Mark Ratner he, when he, he was the head out, of the right? Nevada Commission for yeah. years, still a good friend of mine. When he <clears throat> first got the job with Dana White, he said, "Steve, you know what's amazing?" Because he called me and he goes, "I did a show in Toronto at USC." He goes, "You're not going to believe it." I go, "What's that?" He goes, "We opened the doors and there's a line out." He said, by our second bout of like a 10-fight card, yeah. so this is at least two hours, three hours before television, two-thirds of that audience is there and they're engaged. Kim, they're there for six hours. 
Yes. Six hours sitting down right there and still with enthusiasm because I've been there and, and at I'm, some of those fights. One of my favorite lines, when you go to a boxing pay-per-view undercard, uh, you could throw hand grenades into the audience and no one would get hurt. <laughs> That's just kind of the reality. Yeah, I went That's there. That's cold I, as ice. I cold as ice. Yeah, true. But true. Even that one. Oh, uh, Mario, <laughs> final flurries. You know what? For this one, uh, I was not bored, so you did not have to wake me up before you go-go. I enjoyed the Wham! documentary on Netflix. Hey, Thumbs you know up. What? You know what? I'm glad you did. A couple other people that that um, uh, are in our era, <laughs> our generation, they didn't like it so much. I go, come on! I what? thought it was. I thought what? it was heartwarming. I thought it was. It was fun. They could do a whole other documentary well, just on George Michael's the, the, the well, just on George uh, Michael's uh, solo career, and that's yeah. when he started getting into his shenanigans. Mm. But. My takeaway was, damn, George Michael, aside from having an awesome voice, my guy was really talented. Yes. Wrote all, to write Careless Whispers at 19 years That's old. amazing. Bro, you got to be someone's daddy to write that kind of song. <laughs> and he wrote that at 19. And I took away, I was like, wow, he's incredibly talented. And he had three number one hits in that one year. He yes. only had four with Last Christmas, yeah. but that little We Are The yeah. World song ended up, but he ended up, it ended up becoming number one. So he's incredibly talented. And Andrew Ridgely is a really good what guy. What a partner. What a what partner. Good, but like he wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He was like, you know what? My friend is, I, I and if it, it, my friend is incredibly talented, needs to be on his own to do his thing. He's like his own mm. little Michael Jackson. Like he needs to do, and he was supportive. You know what I mean? And he just kind of, I don't know what he did to be honest with you. No, he uh, kind of went into the private life for yeah. the most part, outside of doing like some Formula One car racing yeah. and make some appearances. Yeah. And I'm going to admit it. I liked Wham Rap. They had bars. I kind of thought oh it was a catchy tune. No, I, no, I they, 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 had, they had some Can't cool lie. songs. I really, I really yeah. like them. So we're gonna okay. So we're gonna talk about some documentaries right now. So we saw that one. Did you finish seeing the American Gladiators? Oh, I was all over that one, bro. First of all, they could have they could have brought that down to like two episodes. That didn't need to be four. Well, episodes. Come they, on, they stretched Nitro, it out a little Nitro bit. Nitro was rolling, That's my bro. guy, Dan Clark. I used to live in the same block on him on Arch Court in Studio City. Dude, I'm 19 years old. That fool's like 25. And he's out here partying, doing drugs and on steroids, this and that. You don't think we party back in the day? And got down. We had fun. Thank God it was pre-social media. But we had a lot of fun. Dan Clark and I. Um... And to, and he was yeah he was probably the, the standout on oh, that. He's, well, he but wouldn't it, do the ESPN one because he hates John you know Ferraro. I, yes, you know I when mean, I walked that. away, yeah, dude, the Elvis dude. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what I walked away with with that? They wouldn't do that show now. How could you do that show yeah. now? He was incredible. As a kid, I didn't realize it's an incredibly violent show and yes. all the injuries that they had and they had no backups and they would self medicate. <laughs> Dude, self-medicate. And then when they were on tour and stuff, it was like, damn. And they didn't make any money. It was like, oh, you walked away kind of like impressed and sad and like, damn. It, it is kind of sad. It's incredibly sad. Because when, anything. when you have cereals made over you, uh, action figures, coasters, and cups, and you find out how much did you get? Not a damn so, thing. Hey, that's what happened to me on Save of the Bell. Right. Save of the Bell, same thing. And that's, that's what, what I got. Not a damn thing. Donut. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. After wow. all that, because you're young. We were younger than and those desperate. guys. And desperate. Well, I just, Young didn't know. You know what I mean? It was a Saturday morning show. Nobody knew. And now when you hear later that they made millions of dollars and all this stuff, you're like, oh, damn. You know what I mean? So, um, I, but I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, bitter at all for the, t- for the time, but it, you, you look at other examples and sometimes when it's your first thing yeah. and you're happy to be there and have an opportunity, you don't have the foresight. And you, by the way, you don't have the negotiation 
um, you didn't have leverage. A you don't have any. No, yeah, you do. But no but, leverage. But you have no leverage because you're like, who are you to kind of want right. to try to demand this? Uh, they will you say, understand hey, what I'm saying? Hey, Mario, see those 800 guys lined out the door? That's exactly we'll it. We'll find somebody. That, well, that's exactly it. That's exactly. It's kind of like the NFL. That's how Hollywood is, too. Oh, okay, you got hurt. Next man up. Then you're coming up. That's that's exactly. So thank God, you know, been able to kind of hang around. But hey, speaking of docs, quick shout out again, because I've been getting a lot of great um, feedback. People are digging the Golden Boy, yes. the, the, uh, the the doc I produced on uh, De La Hoya for HBO. Frazier's going to watch it tonight, both of them. And um, you saw it, Tino saw it. Everybody's real happy. And and, and uh, I, I, the LA Times people, they gave us a lot of great reviews. For some reason, if you haven't seen it, it's incredibly raw, real. Check it out. You can stream it now, both episodes on Max uh, called The Golden Boy. The I don't want to give away too much because I know people have not seen it, but... What Oscar revealed about his gold medal story and the true dynamic of his relationship with his mother, I think, was very, very interesting. Um, There's also, some poignant stuff in there. Yeah, huh? also, I mean, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cringe. Because when that lady lawyer says, uh, Mr. De La Hoya has said since his encounter, he's been with 500 more women. Now on part two, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, whatever her name was. It hey. wasn't it wasn't Laura Gloria Allred. It was some other one, okay? I don't know her name. Hey, I was there during uh, <laughs> during that era. He might have been conservative with that number, 500. to be honest, by the way. Because <laughs> I was, yeah, thank God there was no social media back then. Yeah, but I think it's very good. It's the type that I'm just telling you. First of all, you don't have to be a boxing That's, fan I, or a yeah. Hoya fan to enjoy it and appreciate it. You're exactly right. Even my wife, well, now she's a fight fan, just hanging out with yeah. me. But prior to that, her, my mother-in-law, um, they didn't even watch boxing, but they just said from a human aspect and you can relate to it on many different levels. So great. Thanks. When you did all the interviews with the panelists from Joel De La Hoya senior and the son and everyone else, the sister, Ceci, who's the most interesting person outside of Oscar? His whole family was, I thought, uh, interesting. The kids sort of broke my heart with how that, um, came to be, but you'll see why. And I don't want to, again, give uh, too much away. I thought his brother did a really good job. Yes, I like Joel. I like Joel a lot. And I happened to run into him at Wildcard the other day. And I told him like, he did good a guy. really good job. He is a good guy. His dad, I wasn't surprised by because his dad's like my dad. And that's just our, Oscar and I are exactly Love the same Love what he age. said at the end, though. Yeah. He, he criticized his son, but with love. Yeah. And I think that was different. What he said about, hey, my son's career was good, and I won't want to spoil it. But there was a softness to him. Yeah, yeah, I've always thought he was a little harsh towards Oscar. Yeah. And like, you know, Oscar explained it last week, but I felt like the father now finally realizes my son did it. I'm good with him. Hell but, yeah, man. You know, I mean, he was one of the last greats and stuff. So, yeah. So I think just from a family perspective and people can relate to it uh, in some capacity. So check that out if you haven't. All right. And finally, uh, your L.A. Chargers. I, it's still funny saying L.A. Chargers. That's um, right. Get used to it. Player. Yeah. So Get used to it. My boy, Justin Big Boy Herbert. Yeah. No. Or cancel the PayPal campaign. <laughs> He's good. The GoFundMe campaign does not have to go. That is your quarterback. Mario, I'm going to say this right now. The Chargers, if they do not make the playoffs and win a game or two, I would fire Staley. I think if they stay healthy, they're as good as any roster in the AFC. Well, uh, you're, you know, words to God's ears. I When I talked to Herbert, I had him on my show not not too long ago. He really likes uh, the coordinator, the guy that came over from Dallas. Yes. They, he, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore really likes him. Um, everyone's healthy right now. We seem to be... Cursed. I hope Austin Eckler's happy. He is so good. And He's the whole good, right? Isn't he kind of underrated? Very. That, that dude's good. You know he had 107 catches? Yes! And 1,000 yards rushing. That's what I'm saying. And he's making minimum wage. You know John Spanos yes. told me he's the strongest dude on the team pound for pound. Oh. 
So, well, no, 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 and he's a little dude, and he's also at my point, and he's a he's like a little truck. But I hope they value him. I know the whole running. Oh back no, he's thing. happy now with the situation. He is. Are he we is, sure? That's what I was. There's a whole running back Zoom call. <laughs> no, well, happy. I guess how it ended. It yeah. ended up ending. It ended up ending well. Um. So yeah, man, Chargers. I'm I'm hoping uh, this is the year. All right. Anyway, that's it for this week's edition of the Three Knockdown Rule. We'd like to thank everyone that made this show possible. Smoking Tim Frazier and Tino on the edits on behalf of Mario Lopez. This is Steve Kim saying goodbye, everybody. <laughs>